Hey, welcome. My name is Glenn Lundy. Super excited to be launching our new Breakfast with Champions podcast. Can you believe it? That's right. The Breakfast with Champions podcast has finally arrived. This is your opportunity to get motivation, education, and inspiration every single day. And ultimately, your opportunity to get a seat at the table, to be a fly on the wall, to listen in to some conversations between some of the most amazing superhumans from around the planet. We're talking about people that are doing the things you know you can do, that have reached some of those levels you know you can reach. We've got celebrity interviews with people like Tiffany Haddish and Grant Cardone, Lauren Rittiger. We've got specialists in areas like Capital Ventures, right? Or wealth building, wealth management, real estate, all kinds of incredible conversations. And what's amazing about the Breakfast with Champions podcast is you're going to be able to tune in, listen in. They won't even know you're there, right? It's just like you're, you're, you're listening in on all these incredible secrets of some of the most successful humans from all around the world. You know, when we launched Breakfast with Champions, we had no idea of the power that it was gonna have. We had no idea of the collaborations it would create. We had no idea that we'd be able to connect humans from England and Australia and Saigon and America, of course, all together in one room having powerful conversations that elevate everyone in the experience. Listen, if you like these episodes of Breakfast with Champions, do me a huge favor and let us know. We would greatly appreciate it. We pour into this. You're going to get five to six hours of content every single day, Monday through Friday, five days a week. You can keep coming back. So make sure you subscribe to the podcast. We'd appreciate it. Drop your comments, share your thoughts and your reviews. It mean the world to us if you would do that. And in exchange, we promise you that we will always create a space, a safe space where you can come. You're not going to get politics here. It's not going to happen. You'll never see any type of division in here. It's actually exactly the opposite. We have a bunch of different people with different belief systems, different upbringing, different backgrounds. We've got people from all different ethnicities all coming together. But the one thing that we share is everyone in this room shares the same heart. And it is a heart to elevate you, to encourage you, to inspire you, and to help you become the absolute best version of yourself that you can possibly be. So if you would, do us a favor, write those reviews, subscribe to the podcast, tell your friends. We're going to be here, and we hope that you will be too. Enjoy Breakfast with Champions. You'll see there in the notes that you can skip forward. You can move back. If you need to pause it for a minute, you'll now have that opportunity to do so. We do record these daily on Clubhouse. We have a Breakfast with Champions Club there, or you can follow me, Glenn Lundy, if you'd like to see those rooms, if that's an app that you enjoy. You can always come in and tune in live, or of course, just sit back and enjoy right here on the podcast and anywhere your podcast can be found. It is such an honor and a privilege to be able to spend this time with you. I know that there are a trillion places you could have chose to be. You chose to be right here with us on Breakfast with Champions, and that means the world to me, and I absolutely stinking love you for it. So with that said, we are excited to launch the new Breakfast with Champions podcast. Thanks so much. Hey, good morning, everybody. I'm Barbara Majeski. I'm here with David Spizak and Raylan Davis, Brian Benstock. Um, we have some great new creative names for this hour. Uh, 
guys, you here? And I'm we're here. Yes, we're here for the morning grind, Barb. Morning grind. I did like the Babs, the boys and Babs. the boxer. <laughs> Babs, the boys and the boxer. No, no, we can't. This is not not happening. We're doing the morning grind. Okay. Keep it at PC, everybody. Let's ping some people into the room. Um, yeah, there's a little plus sign in the lower right-hand corner. Let's let's build this room. It's going to be a great hour. We're calling this the morning grind because we like talking about what it really takes to be successful in all areas of your life, not just professionally or spiritually, but also as far as relationships are concerned, your involvement in the community, your involvement in business as well, um, but just living the full-fledged life and moving from information that we talk about so much here on Breakfast of Champions to transformation by taking actionable steps, implementing strategies, habits, behaviors that can lead to the outcomes that- The physical uh, grind, your mental grind, your business grind, your personal grind, the grind, the grind, the grind, man. It's about the grind. One- that was our intro song, <laughs> I think. We should just play that. I love that, Brian. Can we put some jingles to that and that's make just, that? Happen? Well, that, I'm going to say that's as close as Brian's going to ever come to to rapping. Right? That did feel as like a karaoke. A and I thought it was solid. I thought it was very solid. I am feeling it. So I heard, I saw this great quote this morning, and uh, I'm going to read it to you because, of course, I had to post it on my Instagram. And let's keep pinging some people in and uh, invite our friends up to the stage. We always we like to build a stage. And anyway, so what I read was the gap between the life you want and the life you are living is called what? I want you guys to fill in the blank. This reads three things, but I have a different I have three different things that I would add to that. Tell me, Raylan, how would you answer that question? The gap between the life you want and the life you're living is. It's you. It's you. Like, uh, there, there's so many times that I hear from people that I work with or just even just, you know, people that I know. And, and there's always this thing of, man, I don't have this. And what's interesting is what you have in front of you today, your results, what's in your bank account, the relationships you have, that's all decisions or choices you have made in your past. It just, you know, came to fruit today. And so what's interesting is when we look at what we don't have, what we want, all those things, to me, the only really thing that's in between those two things is, is you. But anyway, that's that's my thoughts. What about what about you, David? I'm in the same camp, man. I think uh, <laughs> I, I at the end of the day, it's always up to us, right? Everybody's got circumstances that they're dealing with. Everybody runs into adversity. Everybody runs into rejection. Everybody, any day of the week has any reason and every reason to not make it happen. But amazingly, the reality is those that do make it happen really look past those things. They look at those as opportunities. They don't have that victim mentality. They they rise up and they're willing to put their face down every day. By the way, they look at words like the grind and the hustle and the work. They look at the th words like that as positives and not negatives. And so I always tell people, Raylan, you got to take inventory. When you're listening to things like this and when you hear words like this, does that make you cringe? Does that make you have a negative feeling? Uh, do you start saying, yeah, but? Or do you go, yeah, I need to get up. I need to start grinding. I need to start hustling. 
Because you're right. We are, I don't want to get, it's not a fluffy thing, but you're right. Where you are today is a manifestation of your collective thoughts and your collective actions to this point. You want to change your life, you've got to change your collective thoughts and your collective actions. What do you think, Brian? I think those are soft answers. They're wrong answers. That, <laughs> that Delta is the opportunity. Let's go. That Delta is the I, opportunity. I, I never saw that coming, Barb. The bigger the Delta, the bigger the opportunity. Get off your ass. Get going. Uh, we have a sign on the wall upstairs at Paragon. David, you know that. It says, if you don't like the grind, how will you ever be polished? It's that grind that gets you polished. Nobody yeah. likes the friction, but that's where all the glory is, you know, getting in yeah. there and doing the work. And I, I've never seen somebody that put in hard work, got the result and regretted it. I've seen millions of people that said they were going to do it, not do it and beat themselves up for the rest of their life. You, you, you're going to have to pay the price. You're going to have to suffer, suffer regret or suffer the discipline. And when you suffer the discipline, you get something for it. When you suffer regret, you have all sorts of things that kick in physical damage, health damage, mental damage, alcoholism, bad marriages, all those things that come from not the, the image you have of yourself and the reality not being one in the same. So you've got to, we've got to be congruent, be consistent. What we say and what we do need to be the same. You know, Brian, I, I long time ago, I think it was Zig Ziglar that said, you don't pay the price. Uh, you enjoy the benefits. You You pay the price, to your point, you pay the price for not doing it. That's why there's that regret. You enjoy the benefit of doing that. People that get up and are willing to grind every day, they know that. And so even though it's not something, you know, they would like to hang out, they'd like to sit around, they would like to relax, but they know that doesn't take them to the glory. So they're going to get up every single day. It's not a matter of their socioeconomic condition. It's not a matter of their age. It's not a matter of anything else. They just get up and they understand if they don't do it, who the hell's going to do it? Nobody's going to do it for you. So you got to get up and, and make it happen. I love when I hear there's a, I think her name's Mel Robbins. And I love when I hear her say she's some sort of like audio file on like TikTok and the reels. And it's like, no one's coming for you. No one's waking you up. No one's driving you to the gym. No one's telling you what, to, you know, to turn off no, the no, phone. No one's moving the weights around. Nobody's no putting one. money in your bank account. It's just, it's just not happening. And so many people today, Barb, are waiting for that miracle, that one post that they put on Instagram to transform and transfer millions of dollars into your bank account you have to assume that is not you and have to assume that that's not how it's going to work and the the, the discipline uh you know discipline comes of course as, to some people as a, as a bad saying right self-discipline is, is self-disciple following yourself there, there can be nothing more glorious than setting a course in your head and then and then getting to that course it can be not, no, nothing more beneficial and you know, I, I think sadly, these are not the lessons that are being taught today, not in the schools, certainly not in universities. And sadly now, the business world has seemed to have backed off saying, well, this generation, we've got to dull it down, dumb it down. And that's why so few keep getting so much more because the, the waters have become very soft. And, and that's, uh, I think that's something that we have to fight. Yeah, I would agree. The pendulum has completely swung. Raylan, I saw you on mic. Yeah, so here, here's a question I have to ask this idea of, of grinding, right, is do you believe that it's because of the result that we're searching for that's making people not like the grind? Oh, no, hear, hear me out, right? 
I think there's a through line that I keep hearing when we talk about grinding, when I, when I learn from people like the three of you, David, Barbara, and Brian, and, and including myself, I'll throw myself in there as well, is we do, we grind for grind's sake. It, we enjoy it, right? It's not something that we wake up one day and go, oh, we have to go to work. I knew I liked to. this guy. I knew I liked this guy. <laughs> <laughs> but, right, we get to do those things. Like, we get, like I literally told the client the other day, I said, do you realize we get paid to go on Zoom and talk to people? Brian, do you realize you get to sell people their dream car? Like, do you, like, that? we get to do those things. Do you feel like the disconnect is maybe this generation, by this generation, I mean my generation, right, and everyone you know, kind of below me, doesn't see grinding as an enjoyment thing. It's all about the pursuit. And if they don't get the pursuit, they don't like the grind. They're waiting for the $68 trillion to be given to them by their parents. (laughs) They they, they all respect, though, the grinders. They all look up to the Kobe's and and those that have really done, you know, the Gary Vaynerchuk's that have done amazing things. And somehow they see the result and they, they don't, look at what it took to get there you talk about zoom gary had his wine show and the first wine show that he did was god awful and you know and probably had three viewers and two of them were family and and then he did the next show and the next show and the next show and all of a sudden we see the finished product and we say yeah it's gary v man he's my guy but you know people just don't see the work that goes into people don't see the work that went into what you did rayland or what david did i've seen david spisak uh at conferences and I, I got to tell you, I sat there on the sidelines watching him work a room like, like he was trying to pay the mortgage payment that month. He was just shaking hands and kissing babies and making connections. And, and, and I watched those little handshakes and, and, and hugs turn into dollars by just hustling while most people were going to the bar. Uh, David was was working. And I say that. Uh, David, you know, I said it to you at the time, and I just watched it, and I'm madly impressed with that somebody as accomplished as you is still out uh, hustling uh, day in and day out. But to, to thank you, Brian. I, I really do appreciate that coming from, from you. And uh, But Raylan, you, you hit the nail on the head. I love it. I will never stop. I was just thinking last night, you know, anytime anybody asks me, hey, when are you going to kind of take the foot off the gas? And I'm a, I'll rest when I'm dead guy. And it's not that I, listen, people think, I hate the term balance in life. I hate it. I hate it. I think that we were sold that. <clears throat> and uh, the reason I hate it is because balance means that whatever you're doing, you need to counterbalance that. And so, you know, when you look at 75%, 73% of the people in the world hate what they're doing. They're dissatisfied in what they're doing. They don't like what they're doing. And so I get that they're the TGIF crowd. I get that they want to balance that with things they love to do. It makes all the sense in the world to me. But hey, here's an idea. Why don't you go do what you love to do? Why don't you do something that you would get up and do for free? And and why don't you get out there and grind and do it every day to the point to where you understand what comes with that, the power that comes Mastery. with that. Exactly, Brian, because if you're out there like you are every single day in mastery, why in the heck would you want to counterbalance that, have balance in life by counterbalancing with something you don't actually want to do? David, let me jump in. There is a balance. Let's let's take a different approach at that. There is balance, but you've got to play an infinite game, right? And and so uh, Galloway and a bunch of other bright people talk about balance is this, put the first 20 years of your life 
into what you do, pour into it. And you don't necessarily have to like what you do. I mean, if you're a tax accountant, does somebody wake up in the morning and say, man, I can't wait to go crunch numbers? Hell no. But when you get to a certain level of mastery, it becomes what you do. And, and that, that they, they say mastery takes 10,000 hours. And if you put that time in, and I'm sorry to say, guys, it's not a three-minute YouTube. It, it, it takes you know years. If you put that 20 years in, then the balance to that comes in on the other side, right? The balance of that comes when you've put that work in, and now you're getting the fruit from the tree. Now you're able to, 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 to go to the city of your choice. You're able to get on a plane and fly first class if that's what you like to do. You're able to go to an island and spend some time with your family. You know, what good is it climbing to the top of the mountain if when you get to the top of the mountain, you're there alone without your family? So, so the balance comes later. But I think, sadly, too many people don't want to pay the cost. Uh, you know, and, and if you want to get what that top one, two, three, four percent uh, has or has achieved, you've got to do what the 97 percent won't do. Well, let me also say this, Brian, sorry, I talked over you, but I, you know, we're talking about, uh, David just talked about doing what you love and then you'll never have to work a day in your life. But the truth is what we're all saying is that you don't know what you, you, you start loving what you do when you get great, when you get to mastery and we did, you know, Raylan, you tapped into like this next generation coming up and that the next generation that is evolving is actually, I believe the next greatest generation, if we mentor them in the right way, because they are curious and eager. And I do feel that they are and um, ambitious and thoughtful. They're not, a, they're raised with um, mentorship of entrepreneurship, but here's where I think the gap is. Did, did Wait, let me just, head? what did you bump your head? No, you gotta wait. You gotta hold out on this. If we do not wait believe, for it. no, wait if for we it. do not believe in this next generation, we are screwed. So we are not serving our the the next generation the way that we should serve by believing in them. If we believe they are doomed, then we are doomed as a society. So I'm going to choose to believe and, and put the onus on us and teach them that, listen, you can have everything that you want if you're willing to do the work, but we are screwing them in the fact that we're teaching them about instant gratification and they're living instant gratification. They want food. They, they Uber eats it. They, they want anything. They, they Amazon it. Like it's the instant yeah. gratification is toxic. <laughs> so let's go to what we can, what we need to focus on is that they need to understand you have to stick to it to find what you love and get to mastery that I don't, I think it's very toxic to tell the next generation that they're a bag of garbage. I think they're the next hey, greatest generation. Barbara, that's the problem. Nobody wants to tell the truth. You know what it's going to take to straighten this next generation out? It's going to take a catastrophe. It's going to take an and economic that's on us. We're, we're the ones causing no, the no, 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 that, that's going to happen. I agree, Barbara. That's going to happen, and this generation is going to get run over with a goddamn lawnmower. Pardon my uh, Rup use of censor. Uh, <laughs> censor. Nine sixteen. Okay. We made it to nine sixteen. Glenn, Glenn isn't here. Glenn isn't here. It's okay. Listen to I won't me. Tell. I, unfortunately, this is what it's going to take. And let, let, let's go over a couple of facts for these uh, people that are twenty-five, 
uh, you know, around 25, 24, 23, 22. They have never known any adversity. And, and I know, oh, yes, they've had racism. Yes, they've had anti. I, I get all that. But I'm saying since 2008, since that recession, we've had every year has been a year, year over year, that's been improving, that's been getting better. The, the, there's been strong wind at people's back. And it's made people forget that the natural cycle of things is, is three years up, a year and a half down, four years up, a year and a half down. We haven't had that. And COVID notwithstanding, they, we don't know what it is to struggle. We don't know what the grind is. Uh, people, minimum wage is now a livable wage. When you and I were growing up, David, Barbara, minimum wage was so poor that you had to climb up the ladder to feed yourself. Today, we've made it where minimum wage is okay. Life stinks, but it's okay. And we think that that helps people. And again, minimum wage being higher only helps people that are going to be stuck there. At the low minimum wage, I don't know about you, but I, you know, I worked a 40-hour job, and at the end of the week, I had $300. I said, what the heck is this? What is this? And after taxes, it was $250. What is this? And so I, I, I didn't understand better how to do it. So what I did was I got two jobs, and then I worked 70 hours a week, and at the end, I had $500. And I realized that for a period of time, I could, that wasn't sustainable. So I had to improve my skills and my value to the marketplace. Today's generation, sadly, and not everybody, but a lot of them are not being taught those well, lessons. I'm going to blame no, us. So, so I'm going to blame us. I got to jump in here because the reason they don't have these skills is because we're not set. We're set. We're, we're making life so easy. And the number one thing that I think is screwing the, the next generation is actually credit cards and credit. When we went to the grocery store and this happened to us so many times, and we went to the checkout counter and our checks would our checks were not um, valid. We my parents had bounced so many checks that they, we we did not walk out the door with groceries. We weren't like, well, put it on the credit card back then. They didn't take credit cards at supermarkets. So if you didn't have cash or a check that was cleared you didn't walk out with food and when you don't you're not able to put food on the table you get hungry and when you get hungry you get to doing the work and rolling up your sleeves and you know when you go to bed at night and you're hungry you don't want to feel that very often and but that is on us that's on the leadership that's on the parenting that's on the people that are are mentoring this next generation it's not their fault it's our fault and we have an opportunity to rewrite the ship and not point fingers at them because when we point fingers at them there's four fingers pointing back at us and we can change the paradigm if we accept that we are the ones in in the driver's seat and taking responsibility so I think Absolutely. herein lies the the, the the paradox here, which is interesting, right? Like if you read The Coddling of the American Mind, it talks a lot about this, which is interesting. Generation by generation, we do get softer, right? Like the generation that came before you, Brian, was way more tough than you are versus, again, the next generation down. And the reason for this is, is what Barbara said, which is the parenting, right? Because as we get successful, right, as we get to do things we love to do, we want that for our children. And so what's interesting is how do you solve for this paradox where we want what's best for our kids, because I, I have a three-year-old, so I'm going through this now, right, where you want them to have a better life than you did. I don't want my son to grow up knowing what it's like to be on welfare. I don't want my son to know what it's like to be homeless and, and be evicted from homes. But yet and still, that's the thing that made me. So how do you solve for this paradox? Like, how do you solve for the fact that because of the hardships we've gone through, it made us who we are, but our the next generation maybe haven't been through that hardship? How do you solve for that? Well, to, to Barb's point, 
Ray and I, I think that's a, a great point that you're serving up. But to Barb's point, listen, how many times do you see parents uh, who actually operate on the belief that the teachers in the school, I've literally heard parents blame teachers for how their kids are turning out. I hear them blame teachers for like they expect the teacher not to teach their child, but to raise your child. And at the end of the day, listen, there's a lot of things that go into it. It's not an easy answer. But at the end of the day, we do have to accept accountability uh, for our own kids. You know, nobody else is going to teach your kids financial literacy. Nobody else is going to teach your kids uh, how to grind, not in a, not in a school system. It's not going to happen. That's going to come from us. And it's, it's, it's the old thing. Hey, it's not what you say. It's what you do. So you could say all day long to your kid, do this, do this, do this, but they're not dumb. They're incredible. Kids are so savvy by the time they're three, four, five years old. Uh, they're watching everything that we do, and they're going to end up emulating every single thing that we do. So, hey, we never had the word ghosting. I never heard of the word ghosting until this current generation where all of a sudden, hey, what happened? That person didn't show up at an interview. Oh, did they ghost you? There are people that go sign up for interviews and then never show up. That's been happening now for the last four or five years. There are people that get hired for a job and never show up for the first day of work. They ghost the employer on the first day of work. It's a different mentality. And Barbie said something else. It keeps getting easier and easier and easier. Credit cards is a problem, right? So what happened is, is when your kids go to college, in the very first two or three months they're in college, guess what happens? They get a pre-approved credit card for $3,000 that is probably gonna take them 27 years of their life to pay off. And they don't understand that because they don't have that financial literacy, a lot of them. So it's, it is up to us. But at the end of the day, when somebody turns 18 years old, maybe even before then, you have to draw a line in the sand and you have to say, okay, listen, I'm either going to be a, a complete byproduct of my parents and where I came out of, or I have to take ownership and accountability and I got to grind for myself, period. Brian's been a little quiet, come back. Come back, Brian. I, I just want to make sure I, I keep my job. You know, uh, <laughs> so maybe maybe I came maybe I came in a little too hot. I was uh, fresh off of a Peloton, <laughs> but you know I, I you know I, I say this, uh, Barb. We, we have children, and, and to Raylan's point, I uh, there was um uh, I can't think of the guy's name. You see, um, uh, Steve Harvey uh, had some uh, post on Instagram saying, "Hey, he's going to leave his kids." with, you know, 15% of his wealth, not, you know, and, and spend the rest of it. And I sent that to my wife. Hey listeners, if you enjoy listening to Breakfast with Champions, we can bet you care about your daily routine. Do you want to know the secret to the perfect routine? It's the perfect morning. Glenn has written a free ebook called The Morning Five, five simple steps to an extraordinary morning. If you can transform your morning, you can transform your life. Head on over to themorning5.com to learn more about the five ways you can change the way you start your day. Wife, and she gave me some real pushback on that. Why don't you want, why don't you want your children to have, you know, why do you want them to struggle? And, you know, it's, it's really tough because you don't want, we don't want our children to struggle, but we know the growth comes uh, from within the struggle. And, you know, you see so many of these, you know, let's go to athletics. You know, you see so many of these boxers, uh, kids that try and make it because they see their dad, but they didn't realize what their dad went through uh, to become that champion and the, the hits that they took. And, you know, uh, you know, sadly, grit is not hereditary. 
It's not in your chromosomes as much as people like to believe it is. And it's very difficult for the child of a successful parent to replicate that, let alone surpass that. But there are those that manage to do that. And that's really where we have to look. As I, as I say that, and I said to my wife, you know, my, my, my daughter has a car that I provide for her. The insurance is provided for her. She lives in a very nice home that uh, she pays for, but I help her. My son, the same deal. And I'm, I'm saying, hey, am I setting them up for success or for failure? Now, the, the, the silver lining is all of my children are early risers. They're all uh, readers are all hard workers. So hopefully I haven't um, taken them to a point where they think it's normally going to be this easy because it, cause it's not. So it comes back to what we originally said, right? Like being grinding for the sake of grinding. What's interesting is it could be possible, Brian, and just as a thought, by the way, I don't have an answer, but it could be possible that because you're giving them a certain level of, of comfortability, meaning they don't have to think about where they're gonna their next meal is gonna come from, and now allows them to grind for the sake of grinding, which is, isn't that kind of what we said originally is kind of the answer? It, I, for their it, is, I, it is the answer. Yes. But, 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 you know, the, you know, that's what I'd like to believe. You know, if, if we put our children uh, on third base or on second base when they're born, uh, we, we also need to let them know don't waste that advantage or that opportunity. You still have to get home. And if they're saying, well, dad, get me home. No, 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 no. I, I, I put you here. You know, most kids start out outside the stadium uh, and then they get into the stadium and they work their way to get to the bench and then they have to get up at the plate. I put you on second base and I want you to know what that feels like, but you're going to have to do your part to get home. And, you know, that's the part I think many, um, of us parents find ourselves struggling with is that, you know, maybe we got them there a little bit too easy, easily. You know, I, I, at some point when I was a kid, like when I said, I was working multiple jobs, I was working three jobs, Barb, three jobs. And one of the jobs, because I could get differential pay, I was working at a drill factory and I was working the midnight to eight o'clock shift. And as I was driving home, um, I was falling asleep and a state trooper stepped out in the middle of the road at a speed check and I almost ran the guy over and, and I pulled over afterwards and the guy came at me came at me pretty hot and he thought i was i'd been drinking and he made me you know breathe on me and i breathe on him and he went, oh coffee yeah sorry i fell i was falling asleep and when i got home my mom said no more you, you can't do that so you know i i don't wish that for my children but it was those kind of incidents that caused me to search for the better way and you know and i think sometimes we rob our children of that you know, Brian, I, I had the same, I, we have such similar past, man. When my first job was $3 and 75 cents an hour and I was pumping gas at a gas station and I was making no money and I, you know, I'm not the smartest cat in the world, but I was smart enough to know, okay, this isn't going to get the job done. So I got a second job just like you. Now I'm a busboy at, at a, at a, a Italian restaurant on top of that. And then I got an, a part-time job uh, at night. Uh, also working at Macy's. And so I'm working three jobs back then and still making, you know, by most people's terms, no money. But my view of the world at that time was this, you know, I've got 24 hours of the day. 
I'm going to spend X amount of them sleeping. The hours I'm awake, I'm either going to be spending money or making money. So my my little brain said, well, you should go out and do everything you can to to exert yourself so that you're making money rather than spending money. And and as I did that, you know, I started to learn uh, about things like sales, and I started to understand the variable compensation that that it is up to me in those situations. So I was able to get a job finally in sales. And um, I remember I had to scrounge money just to just to be able to buy. I bought a suit for ninety nine dollars in San Francisco downtown at a place that was doing a liquidation sale. And I, I bought two suits and I had a couple pairs of shoes, a couple ties. And I went out and every single day I would do sales and grind every single day uh, working with people. Most of them were twice my age. And then I would leave there and I would jump on the train and I didn't have a car and I would go down to Macy's and I'd work the job at night or I'd work the restaurant at night. At that time, you just did what you had to do. And frankly, you didn't know any other way. And today, I think that one of the challenges is credit cards, Barb, but I think another challenge is a lot of young people look at social media. Brian was saying it earlier. They see their dad. They see the outcome of as a boxer who gets fame and gets fortune. They see people on social media who are getting all these likes or they ha they're wearing the best clothes. They're driving Lamborghinis or Ferraris and they're taking trips all over the world. And they're like, I want that. And I don't blame them. Everybody wants that. But unless you do what they did to get that, you're not going to have that. And I'm convinced that most people don't really have a fear of success or a fear of failure. I think what they have a fear of is the grind of the tasks that you have to do every single day because it's not easy. At some point, it's not easy. At some point, it's lonely. At some point, you just have to keep on keeping on when everybody else is going to the bar, everybody else is partying, everybody else is sleeping in. You know, it's, I'm sure, Brian, you could say there's how many people are in the gym at 435 in the morning, Brian? Are there a lot? A very dedicated few. Thank you. Thank you. In a city of, what is it, 8, 10 million people, there's a dedicated few. So, you know, when you look at situations like, you know, 3%, when they ever, they talk about the top 3% or the top 1%, listen, some of those people were handed that money, no doubt. Some of those people were, but most of the people that are in that were willing to do things that honestly, the other 90 or 95% just simply were not willing to do day in and day out. This See, is David, not a five day a week thing. It's a seven day a week thing. I also think, David, it's important to understand that it's not that people aren't willing to do the work and they're not willing to show up and do the work. I actually think they are willing to do the work. It's doing it consistently and then being able to deal with setbacks, adversity, frustration, humiliation. And it's just that it's always there's a, a fork in the road over and over again that you don't see on social media and you don't see when you're always looking at outcomes. There's a fork in the road when you can do the do what's right and do what's easy. And you you just mentioned like there's happy hour and there's distractions and you can sleep in and hit the snooze bar and the distractions are at an epic level now that we have access to all this social media. And I think that's what it really comes down to is I don't think people are not willing to do the work. I would disagree with that. I think they're, they're not able to navigate setbacks and adversity. And sometimes it's easier to, to quit. And that's where it really comes in. The, the grind is really not about 
anything other than showing up when you don't want to and doing the things you need to do to get the things that you want consistently and repetitively, especially when you don't want to show up and you don't want to do the work. And it's so easy to quit and get distracted and do other things. And I think that's what separates people is that, you know, stay hungry. Or, that's the thing with credit. Like you get credit, you don't get go hungry. You don't feel that like you don't go to bed hungry. You don't know what it's like to not eat. And then, you know, then you might not show up, you can get lazy. And it is, it, it's to the detriment of the muscle of grit. Go ahead, David. Well, I, I don't disagree with you entirely, but but the reality is there are a lot of people that are sorry, they're not willing to put in the work. There are people, do you want, listen, there are people that get offered, uh, Grant Cardone would tell me, I've known Grant for over, geez, I don't know, 30 years, 32 years, something like that. Um, and you know how long that dude has been grinding? So yeah, he's in, he's in the limelight. He's got the he's got the two in, insane helicopters. He's got the beautiful jet. He's got the it it just it wasn't a it wasn't luck. He's been re, uh, learning about real estate for nearly t over twenty five years. I would say I knew the guy when he was grinding with no money in his pocket, and he was out there working every single day, and he was doing uh, trainings into Holiday Inns and crappy little places in towns that you had to take two planes and drive two hours to get to. I'm sorry, most people just aren't willing to do that. And now the guy offers a real estate session. He was telling me not that long ago, you know, people will sign up for his free real estate course. A hundred plus thousand people sign up. He said, David, if I'm lucky, about 25,000 actually show up for free. Uh, and out of the 25,000, maybe 10% of those do something. And the, of the 10% that do something and buy something from them, maybe 10% of those. So now you're right back to the 1% again. I do agree that a lot of people are not, they want to do it in their mind. Uh, they have a desire. Uh, and they struggle at times with rejection and adversity and how to overcome obstacles. And I agree with that 100%. I'm just not buying. If you're willing to put in the grind and put in the work, you understand it is a seven-day-a-week. It's an all-day, every-day type of a thing. There's no part-time grind with full-time glory. I think this comes back to the access of choice. So what's interesting is, you know, again, because things are a little bit easier, technology, whatever, we have distractions more readily available than ever before. And so now people are given a choice where maybe, you know, you didn't. So back in the day, if you were bored, all you had was, I don't know, like stones, like stone tablets and stuff like that. So you, you only had, that was a joke, by the way. You can How old do that. you think that we are really? <laughs> what are you saying? <laughs> but, and so, but, I think that was directed at Barbara. <laughs> hell no. Um, so Barbara still, Barbara just turned 30. What was it, 30 or 31? Somewhere in that um, space. Stop it. She's a, she's a baby. Guess, Stop it. Yeah. Stop it. Yeah, yeah. So, so, but, so now, though, you didn't have a choice necessarily. You had to work or you had to, you know, accept the results, which was continue to be at where you were. Whereas now you can make the choice of grinding, yes, or you could go on Instagram and, and you know, go to TikTok or do whatever, right? And so because of that choice, people tend to go towards a path of re least resistance. However, I'm willing to throw in there that those in this generation that do choose the grind, they may be stronger than ever before, kind of what Barbara was saying earlier, simply because they had the choice of being distracted, but they chose to be focused instead. And they are focusing with the distractions readily available at any time. They choose not to do it, 
which is kind of an interesting point again what barbara said earlier which is this generation may be the strongest we see and we have to believe that because we we have to empower with remember we talk about this every day your thoughts become your reality because that's where it all starts but if we are feeding them toxic food by toxic thoughts we are only we're only screwing ourselves and that's why i really i think it's so important that we do believe in this next generation listen i have three young kids i've said oh, no they're 18 16 and 10 and i believe in them and i can take stock or as david says i can take inventory of some of the things that i can you know i can course correct on and yes am i setting them up at third base but i don't think there's you know, three plates out on my field and then one home run plate. I feel like there's many plates and I want to teach them how to be hungry. And if anybody is lost in the sauce on this, anytime, cause I'm starting here, I'm like, Oh my God, I did put my kid on third base. I mean, I, I, we, I bought a plane and I'm putting them on major third plate, third base, but I only am putting them on third base. If that's how I think I have to teach them how to be hungry and understand this one thing is that Life is about purpose and living, the purpose of life is to live a life of purpose and live a life of servitude. How do we give back? How do we serve? How do we, how do we use our gifts and find our gifts and find our purpose to help each other? And I, I do know that's our highest expression of ourselves. So yes, financially, I may have put them on third base, but I've also thrown them some major curveballs. They watch their mother battle just, late stage give cancer. Them, give them the bill for one flight on your plane to Aspen, that'll that'll learn. I'm just just giving that one bill, and they can see us two three years from now after they. You know, I I think there's ways to include them in the dialogue, and I do. I you know I told Brian the other day, I was like, listen, I am gonna leave them a check, and it's gonna bounce. And I say that more fictitiously, but also in my mindset of like, this doesn't belong to you. This money is actually we're. I I hope to leave it in a space that can serve the most vulnerable members of society. At the same time. I'm living my best damn life. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Um, you know, living in service and also living in uh, the lap of luxury. I'm not apologies about that. Of course, it, my phone rang. Um, but I think that's what's really important is bringing our kids to that and, our, and our, this next generation to the space of giving back and we're leaving them a hot mess. So why don't we take ownership? The fact that we're, we screwed them in 2008 because we let these companies you know, sell us these mortgages and, and manipulate the system and, you know, Bear Stearns and all these other industries were, com were completely reckless and irresponsible. That's on us. We did all that. And now we've built a robust economy back up, what have you. But um, what do we need to do? How do we need to course correct and believe? I believe the next generation is the next great generation. I'm taking full ownership of that. And I'm doing that as being a being a parent that teaches my kids how to be hungry and live in service. Okay, I'm done. I yield the mic. That's my speech. <laughs> do you, I yield. Do you yield, Barb? I, I yield. cannot imagine a world where you're yielding anything. I mean, listen, <laughs> I, like this is not an easy crowd to get my little, my little, actually, you know, you guys are great, but um, yeah, I don't want to like go off on that, but I do think it's an important message that people are DMing me in the back channel saying, repeat what you said about the next generation, um, because we, it's important that we change and we stop bashing them. We start taking ownership that we, 
we've made our own little monsters. So I'm glad you said that, Barbara, because I just can continue to bash the, the generation behind Not me. Not anymore. I have a one-year-old. I have a one-year-old daughter, so I need to. I be, I literally needed to hear that this well, morning. Get on her, David, for God's sake. <laughs> Make her get a job. Oh my God. Yeah, she's already. She's picking up her Pretty toys right now in the living yeah, room. Believe it. Yeah. So you leave. The next is the best. We have to collectively. Well, listen, the Barb, next. I. I I, I'll tell you, the, the, you know, one thing that just stands out from this conversation is I love the thought of, you know, my mom is part of what Tom Brokaw would have described as the greatest generation. And I understand why they were described that way. And if we do not look forward, I mean, listen, we would be hypocritical, any and all of us to say, hey, listen, you know, we have to, we, you don't get what you want in your life, you get what you expect. And when we all are willing to do what we need to do to get what we want to get, but we can't sit there on the other hand and say, listen, good luck. Hope you guys make it. You know, we have to set our kids up for success and success is not success necessarily by just societal norms of money, success in terms of their ability to withstand adversity, their ability to take on rejection, their ability to have a life of servitude, their ability to make a difference in this world. And they could take their path. We all got to make the choices we made as teenagers and young people that allowed us to become who we are today. I think oftentimes as parents, you know, we're, we are so uh, concerned about the direction of our kids and we're wanting to put the bumpers like at the bowling alley to make sure nothing happens. And the reality is they need to have the opportunity to fall and, and to see what rejection feels like and to have adversity hit them in the face. And so to whatever degree we could do that, it's important. And I think the distinction here and Raylan, I would love to hear your your comment because this is in your world and your demographic. But Barb, you know, I've got a five-year-old kid and a seven-year-old kid. Your kids are still, you know, young to the middle of the pack in terms of age where you're still working on them and you're still sharing uh, life wisdom with them. But what about people, what would you say, uh, Raylan, to people that are 20, 25, 30 years old? And let's be honest here. Let's also be a little fair. To be honest with you, this is a, uh, a, a demographic that, you know, went to college. Uh, many of them took on a ton of debt in doing it and came out and did not have the job opportunities they suspected at the time they were going to have. And life uh, for a period of time in the midst, can you imagine, as Brian said, we're, we're in an unprecedented bull run. The economy's been so strong, but yet there's been millions of kids coming out of college with high degrees, high-end degrees that can't make enough money in order to pay their student loans and just get by. So I don't know. It's a grind, and they were not prepared for the grind. Whose fault? I don't know. Doesn't matter. It's their no, fault. It's their fault. They, they took courses in diversity and inclusion and, and social psychobabble, and that's wonderful, right? It's wonderful. But you get into the marketplace, and the value's not there. There's yeah. never been more employment opportunities. But sadly, the generation that's out there right now has been poorly trained for this generation. And and even more sadly is many uh, other parts of the world have been training their people, whether it's Asia or, or, or it's Europe, they have been training their uh, associates for what's next. So we, we've been training uh, people 
uh, and all sorts of things in colleges and schools today that do not properly prepare them uh, uh, for financial literacy, emotional literacy, and, and, and physical uh, strength and vitality. And, and then we, we wonder why uh, they're, they're, they're struggling when they, when they got a 40-year degree. You, you should have a four-year degree that you, uh, when you come out of school, you've got a number of jobs waiting for you. And, 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 but that's not the case today because they're taking these courses that, that they think are going to enlighten them, enrich them, and it's wonderful. But uh, unfortunately, or fortunately, we're in a capitalist society that uh, the, the return on that is limited. I think learn how to be fiscally responsible, stand on your own two feet so that you can earn money, so you can support the social causes that, that burn passionately for you so that you can change the world with your political views, whether they be left or right, up or down, uh, that you have the ability to have influence. But to come out of college and to say, you know, I'm a rabble rouser, well, you know, I just don't know that that you know, it pays well, whether that's a rabble rouser on the right or a rabble rouser on the left. It's just not what, what pays well. And I you think know, it's also not productive. But David said something that I wanted to tap back to, which was, you know, we put these bumpers on the bowling alley. That was your metaphor, because we want to insulate our kids from getting hurt. And that is, as Brian is saying, it's it's crippling a, a generation. And that is, of course, on us. Stop putting the bumpers up. And there was a great quote that I read. And it was like, if you, you know, I asked, I asked God for strength. So they gave me a mountain to climb. They gave me troubles. They gave me adversity to unpack. And I remember when I was diagnosed with cancer in 26, I went through treatment in 2016. And people are like, are you going to tell your kids? And I was like, what? They're like, well, there's another woman in town who secretly is going through cancer. She doesn't want her kids to know. And I took the polar opposite. I was, I thought to myself, I'm like, no, my kids are going to watch that life hands you some lemons every once in a while. And you can't change the diagnosis. You can only handle the way you handle diagnoses and adversity and, and, and trauma. Like, and this is where we, we screw everybody. Like you don't give them the mountain to, to climb. So, you don't so, give so them what, the adversity. So what's the, the takeaway? I'm, I'm listening. The takeaway what, is what stop taking stop taking adversity and, and buffering our kids and don't say this and don't say that around them. And you should, and you should be canceled because you're arguing with the, the public narrative. That's our problem. The cancel culture that anybody supports is to the detriment and of now, the now, next generation and it's the detriment of society. I'm careful. not being careful. Gonna, I'm not built like that. I, I can't. The, 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 I didn't drop any curse words this morning. It's the waiting I didn't to be talk offended about generation. the vaccine. Yeah. <laughs> All well, right, I'll, I'll yield the mic. Raymond, help us. Help me, help me. Yeah, so I think overall, it just stems from ownership. I think that's where we start. And we have to take ownership for the fact that, yeah, of course, when you go to college, sometimes things happen and you leave and you don't get the job you want. But at the end of the day, we could blame society and spend time pointing fingers at it's this generation, it's that generation, or it's the fact that the government screwed up, it's this, it's that. Or you can stop and look and go, what can I do? Now what? The problem is we point fingers, but we don't ask the question, now what? Now, I'm not saying you have to accept the way that the world is. Of course, we could change it, but you also have to change. You also have to do what you have to do to get what you want. So I think for me, because again, I'm speaking from experience. I'm one of those people that went to college, have a bunch of debt as a result of it. And by the way, I went to school to be a gym teacher. I don't do that, right? And it was because I only was exposed to, right? I was only exposed to that one thing, be a teacher, you know, go to school, do all these things, right? 
However, there's a point where you wake up and you go, I could blame people for pointing me in this direction, or I could take ownership for the results that I have in my life and decide I want something different. And what happened to me was, was somebody woke me up. And I think that's what it takes is going, okay, what do you want, kid that's 25, whatever, and do the things necessary to get what you want. Now, what you want will change over time. But if you had told me and stopped me and said, what do you want? One of those things would have been freedom. One of those things would be success. One of those things would be affecting the lives of other people, helping them get what they want. Hey, cool. Maybe entrepreneurship would be uh, good for you. I would have started way earlier. Now, of course, I'm thankful that I didn't because had I, had I done that, I wouldn't have all the life lessons. But I think my point I'm trying to make is this. It starts with ownership and not throwing stones when you live in a glass house. It starts with before you try to fix society, you have to fix yourself. And the problem is, to fix oneself, to look at look internally takes way too much work. Brian, David, Barbara, we don't want to do that. I'd rather put blame on everybody else for my problems. But the truth is, if we start with the inside, everything else externally doesn't really matter as much. And then everything you want starts to come to you. Anyway, just a thought. Hey, Braylon, can yeah, I, I jump I, in there? I, who is that? It's Tim. Yeah, go ahead, Tim. Good morning to you. How are you? Good morning, brother. How are you doing? Yeah, Raylan, you know, what you brought up was 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 so, so important because Barbara was mentioning this aspect of, hey, you know, I may have blessed my kids with this aspect of, you know, a financial buffer and, and to give them some security. But the reality is when I look at it from my standpoint, when I was growing up, my parents fed into me what they knew with the resources that were provided at that time. But what it also did was it implanted something subconscious in my mind to then push forward to the next generation, not realizing that at the end of the day, I was trying to shape the culture of my children's mind, not realizing I did not ask them what meant or what was so important to them. So as I was hustling and grinding and still grinding right now, I realized that my children right now are looking at me and they're saying, you know what? Dad is never around. I don't want that for my children. So we have to really be careful and understand how we're actually demonstrating that grind. But at the same time, asking the important questions to the children at whatever age or at, whether they're 14, 15, 22, like you said, and then allowing them to meet us where we can identify where they should go. And I think it's about taking that ownership, but I will tell you, many parents are missing the ball and they're dropping it because they've been subconsciously, you know, uh, programmed by the previous generation on what they should be doing instead of asking those important questions. Tim, I, I think I, I I think that's a, a really wonderful point. I, I would just add this though, and and uh, would love to hear uh, from from Brian and Barbara and Raylan as we head to the top of the hour. Barbara's never going to allow us to be late. So here here's my take. I think a whole other challenge for everybody is just we get more and more fragmented. And again, we go back to social media. And now here comes the metaverse. And if you thought that you were fragmented before, uh, wait till you see everybody in your family strapping on a, a an Oculus on their head. And now you got four or five people sitting around with oculuses and God knows where they are in the world. And in one respect, it's cool, but it, we're going to be more fragmented. Here's the thing. I have this belief when I'm at work and my wife knows this, my partner knows this. When I'm at work, I'm at work. I'm all in. So if there's an emergency, you know, hit me up. If it's not an emergency, 
text me and we text each other during the day and it's great, but I need to be focused. You know why? Because when I get home, I'm all in. I'm completely focused there. My phone gets put down and I'm sitting on the ground with my five-year-old and my seven-year-old and I'm hanging out and we have dinner together every single night with, with my wife, uh, with their mom. And so I think that's one of the other things that's tough. If you go out and you grind all day and then you come home and you're not able to spend time and focus with your kids, I can see at times they're going to say, yeah, I don't think I want that. Um, other uh, One of your other kids might, however, say, well, but I want what comes with it. And so one of the things I've noticed, Barb, is that I'm in the middle of five kids. All five of us are radically different. We grew up in the same house, listening to the same messages, dealing with the same trauma, and we all came out completely differently. So it's a nature versus nurture thing. And at the end of the day, what Raylan said was really important. You have to take ownership. Someday, some way, you have to take ownership. And Barb, I'll just wrap up my side with just saying this. Listen, if I agree with you. If we don't have the ability to believe and in a positive way impact our kids so that they become the next greatest generation, we're all in a big bucket of trouble. And that's on us. That's not on it's them. On us. That's on us. And, you know, the, one of my favorite stories is these two sales guys get flown to this island and first sales guy calls back to the office and he's like, oh my God, I'm out of here. Nobody has shoes on. Second sales guy calls back to his office and says, oh my God, nobody has shoes. I'm going to sell the crazy out of this place. Like send me more inventory. And life is all about perspective and how you see it. And I am choosing to see opportunity and belief and empowerment. I see curiosity. I see entrepreneurship. I see innovation in this next generation. I see spirit. And I do, I see they're, that they're easily distracted, which is based on the way that they are being raised right now. And how do we use that to their advantage? We're going to continue to figure that out because we believe they are the next greatest generation. And I just want to throw in um, something right now. because I just, I just pinned 10X ladies in Miami. Cause I, I do want to share this. Um, you know, a month ago we flew down to Miami and I went down there with kind of, um, you know, open and open heart, open ears, open eyes, open everything to learn, to, to meet new people. And my biggest takeaway from that experience is I didn't know what I didn't know. I think, you know, we all get to a, a place in our life. Not yeah. true. You went down there and you were going to go to the beach. You were going to go to the pool. <laughs> Not for a second. I'm being completely transparent. But <laughs> you, you, you went to the first meeting because it was sort of a perfunctory obligation to the first meeting. And you got so drawn in that the beach came off of the agenda. That and then why don't you tell them who was the last one to leave the meetings each you day? You were. I went to the Thank freaking you. beach. You know, what I mean, That's Brian <laughs> went to the beach and he's like, "I'm out of here. I've gotten everything I need." I'm like, "I cannot get enough of of what I'm learning." And it's the God's honest truth. Everybody left, and I was still like, "I'm like, I I cannot afford listen, listen, to Cleopatra, leave this." I went. The second, I went the, the third day. Oh my God. You better believe I'm the damn queen, the, the, the Brian. Third, the, third day, the third day in the middle of the day, I left to go sit with my daughter in the clouds. Uh, so let's get that sparkling. Okay. Wait, what, what, hey, what is the version of the Nile in Jersey? <laughs> it's it's, it's disgusting. It's, a, it's, 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 it's,
Listen, the the river of denial doesn't just run in Egypt. So let, I, but I do. I think what I want to really impart, and Brian is not wrong. I think I went I went down there for social reasons to connect with people that I find very interesting on this app. I wanted to sit down, break bread, talk with them, see if there was opportunity for us to collaborate and really network at a higher level. Um, so I thought it was really in the space of networking, and I was like, oh, you know, we'll go to the meeting and then we'll cut out and go to the pool. But the truth is I ended up sitting there saying, I didn't know about how to leverage my assets, how to secure um, smart debt, how to you know create generational wealth. And I'm a single mother. I, I, I have three kids, I'm divorced. Like I take care of me. And you know, then they were talking about 10X ladies. And I was like, I want, I want in because I know by putting myself in environments where I just can be you're, a sponge and learn. No, you're not a sponge. You're a shark. Because I am a we shark. Were, we were sitting in like the fifth row. Clea Sharkara. Thank and you. you said, and you said, I'm going to go sit up there next to Elena. And you got up, you picked yourself up, and you sat your butt down next to Elena. And the next thing I know, you're at her house. And the next thing I know, you're speaking there. And it was because you were, were driven. And I, I, you know, I take my hat off to you because you, you saw – you saw what you wanted. You saw something, a place where you could add value, and you had the gumption to to stand up and to go up and to to put yourself in proximity to the place you wanted to be. So hats off to you. I appreciate that, Brian. And I am a shark, and I am a queen, and I'm all these glorious things, and I take them all as compliments. Uh, I, I let listen. You know what? Um, truth be told, Elena texted me and was like, "Why don't you come sit next to me?" Because I believe that we just automatically have a kinship of helping others. That's where Elena and I really connected. And these opportunities to take these relationships offline, you're going to find there's a collective thread with people that you really align with. And we are both at a stage in our life, we're exactly the same age. Our kids are the same age. Our daughters are the same age. They're literally a week apart. Their birthdays are a week apart. But we collectively want to help serve our communities and the women that are aspirational. And she invited me to be a keynote speaker. So I will be um, one of the speakers at 10X Ladies, and I'll be talking about mindset. So if anybody is interested, the link is up at top, or you can go to their website, 10X. 10xladies.com backslash Barbara. Um, this is a big deal for me, but I want, and I want to take people with me. I want to put you in an environment where uh, your mind is expanded. And I've said this a million times. So I'm going to put on a wig and have me there, man. Uh, listen, you're Come my on. ride or die. So let's go. <laughs> you're gone. Let's go. Let's go. We got the plane. We'll, we'll just fuel up. Um, but for anybody that's interested or has any questions, you can also DM me, um, 10xladies. I really want to bring as many people as I can because it can change the trajectory of your life. The people you surround yourself are direct correlation where you are going to be in the next 12 months. So start the new year off right by putting yourself in environments to learn, grow, and evolve. Um, I will be there and I'm staying, I'm showing up early and I'm leaving later so that I can really dial into um, some, some new networking connections. So I yield the mic, my friends. I just wanted to I think drop that's that. super cool, Barbara. Congratulations on that. I think that's amazing. Glenn, I, this is all a product of uh, Clubhouse and Breakfast with Champions. So thank you. And I, I couldn't be more grateful. And it's just, I, I want to share and you can call and, and, Brian's not wrong. I am a little bit of a shark, but I'm I'm hungry. A little? Sharks are hungry. I'm hungry for whatever this life. And I've been given the gift of a second act. I did I do not know how I got through that cancer. 
and I'm here to, I'm in it to win it. I'm hungry. I'm eager. And I want to take people along with me. So thanks, Glenn. I appreciate you. And this has been a great hour. So I guess I'll put a pin on it because I think we're done. 959. I'm Barbara Majeski with David Spizak, uh, Brian Benstock and Raylan Davis. Uh, this is our nine o'clock hour. It's called uh, The Morning Grind or uh, Breakfast with Babs, the Boys in a Boxer. And uh, our hour is. <laughs> it just rolls off your tongue, doesn't it, Babs? Those are all great. <laughs> I can't help myself. It's all the B's. Ben Stock, Babs, Raylan, and Dave are going to have to like the boxer. And I don't know. They're... Okay, I'm just having fun. Thank you, Glenn, for this opportunity to be part of this amazing group. And. Um, uh, guys and everybody that contributed, we're so grateful for you. I Thank you for joining us on Breakfast with Champions. If you want to catch the live version, you can follow us on Clubhouse and listen from 5 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time, Monday through Friday, Saturday 6 to noon, and Sundays with our 111 Sunday service. Make sure you're keeping up with Breakfast with Champions and getting yourself a seat at the table.